Amen, that's the truth. I'm gonna invite you to take your seats at this time where we're gonna have our morning storytelling time. And if you're new here, this is something we do a couple times a month. It's a chance for you guys, members of the congregation, to come up and share a little bit about themselves and their story. And if you haven't done this yet, or maybe it's been a couple years since you spoke, uh, there's a, a box in your connection card in your bulletin that you could fill out, and we'd love to hear from you. So today we have the pleasure of hearing from Miss Carla Kepler. We all love Carla. She cares for us in so many ways. I know. How do you not applaud for Carla? I just have to say, Carla is um, the ministry leader for Mary's Place, which is one of our local engagement ministries out in the lobby today. So stop by and say hi to her there. And did you know that she makes homemade muffins for the worship team every single Sunday? She comes early and brings them still warm for the band and the whole team. So she is just one caring person. I know, Carla. So Carla, share your story with us today. Thank you. I only make those muffins, so I don't eat them myself. And plus, I like being a band mom, so. And I'm going to tell you a story that probably 99% of you who've known me for 20 years never knew. My father died when I was only five years old and left my mother with four little girls. There was no money. My mother was desperate and remarried a man she knew to be an alcoholic. That was the beginning of years of multiple moves, job loss, inability to pay rent, attending sometimes two schools a year, and the birth of two more children. When we could no longer pay rent, we would climb into whatever car we had with whatever belongings we can stuff into the back of an old station wagon. We moved from Oregon to Missouri to California, back to Oregon, each time living out of the car, under bridges, parking lots. If we had access to water, we used it to wash dishes and bathe and wash clothes. Of course, we had frequent illnesses and issues with food and warm clothing and shoes. I absolutely hated changing schools. I started first grade, then moved. And the next school was a two-room schoolhouse in Missouri, which had one room with first through fourth grade, and the other room was fifth through eighth. Our house had a hand pump in the kitchen and a wood stove for heating and cooking and an outhouse. Then we moved into the city where we attended a Catholic grade school and wore uniforms. I have no idea to this day how my mother accomplished that. I loved attending mass and school, and wearing uniforms, and singing in the seventh and eighth grade choir. When we lived in a city, we lived in what was termed the projects, low-income housing. Vaccinations did not happen unless we were in the city and could go to a free clinic. I only remember visiting a dentist once when I was a child, and that was in a bus kind of van on a street. I was desperate to read anything I could get my hands on. 
And wherever we lived, I got a library card and I maxed it out. Nobody ever thought you'd you know, spend the whole night reading Little Women and then moving to the next book and the next book. It was my barrier against the world. Instead of friends, my sisters and I depended on one another. As we grew older, being in our home became more and more dangerous for us girls because of our stepfather. We were living in a small town outside of Eugene, Oregon, and I had been through three years of high school and two, three, that was my third high school. I had attended the small high school during my sophomore year and, and, and junior year, and then I dreaded another move. My mother's friend knew of a family that needed help with three small children, and the mother was ill. At 16, I moved into their home, and I never went back. I was safe. I never went back, and I finished high school with good grades and went on to college with grants, loans, and scholarships, and later finished my nursing degree while working full-time. My sister Sharon and I have talked about how we survived during the stressful and sometimes dangerous times. Our childhood was nowhere near normal. We watched other people to see how normal people got through their days. We worked hard wherever we were and whatever we did. And we still don't know who and how many people saw us and helped us. And today in our lobby, as you visit the displays of the organizations we support, look for an opportunity to serve that is just right for you at this time. I was drawn to Mary's Place because of my childhood experiences and drawn to homeless youth because I wanted to knit hats and keep them warm. And to Operation Night Watch, when my kids were teens, to volunteer for meals with the youth group. And I would remind them all to look up and smile and that every person they saw that night with somebody's son or daughter, brother or sister, aunt or uncle or cousin. So who will you touch? What small part will you play? And where will you make an impact? Thank you for listening to my story. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading verses seven to nine from chapter 30 in the New Living Translation. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who's the Lord? And if I am too poor, 
I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Julie Steele. I'm one of the pastors here at Evergreen. And we are, yes, we are continuing in our series with the book of Proverbs. We have just two weeks left. Next week, Pastor Elise will close us out on chapter 31, and then we're going to be entering the season of Advent. Can you believe that? It's just a little too, little too soon. But as we wind down, I want to give a word of clarification about how we interpret this particular book of Proverbs. Proverbs, like Job and Ecclesiastes, is considered to be wisdom literature. Understanding the genre of each book of the Bible, and there are 66, is critical to the way we apply these books to our lives. Proverbs teaches probable truth, not absolute truth. By nature, Proverbs are not absolute promises from God that guarantee the promised outcome if one follows them. It's not a formula for if you do this, this will definitely happen. They offer, these three books, general principles for successful living rather than a legal code of conduct. All three books of wisdom are meant to shape the moral and ethical lives of the readers. Now, I'm saying this because we all tend to think that everything in the Bible is a promise from God, and that when that promise is not fulfilled, what happens? We doubt God, and we become disillusioned. An example would be from another proverb here, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hmm, all right, if I do this, this will happen. Now, I'm using this example because I have seen a lot of damage done to parents who blame themselves for their wayward children. Of course, we as parents are called to bring up our children in the faith and model our own Christianity and have our children be Christ followers. But we were all born with free will, and so ultimately, that decision is not up to us. It's just the teaching and modeling that's up to us. I've also seen parents take this responsibility of their child's faith to such an extent that they don't allow for any doubts or questions. Everything is black and white because there is a fear that their child will not follow the faith. There is wisdom in understanding that our part is to share and, more importantly, model our faith, but then we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Now, this is not a proverb but it is an appropriate saying. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And so we close out the book of Proverbs these next few weeks. Let's remember that this book of wisdom is just that, wise words that are intended to give us the best opportunity for a meaningful life. Now, our message today comes from this 30th chapter, as Carla read for us, and it's attributed to a man named Augur. Would any of you name your baby Augur? That would be horrible. I'm sure that this was a popular name back then, though, right? 
I want to take us back to the very beginning that was not read of this chapter because Augur gives us a glimpse into where he is in life, and I think it's very important. He says, this is, it starts out by saying, the sayings of Augur, I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. I am too stupid to be human, and I lack common sense. I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Now, I don't know about you, but I can totally relate to this guy. He's not trying to convince us that the reason his words are wise is because he has it all together. He names what is true about himself, which makes me want to hear from him more. Talk about being authentic. Anything he says to me is credible at this point. How many times do we have an image of a person that is false? They portray themselves in a certain light and we put them on a pedestal, but it's only a matter of time before that shell starts to crack and we find out they're just as messed up as the rest of us. Now, I can tell that Augur has seen some stuff. He's weary. He says he's worn out. He has lived life. Now, many of you, I know, have seen some stuff, and you have lived life. Having the full spectrum of generations here at Evergreen, to me, is our biggest strength. Nothing can replace the wisdom that can only come from living life. Knowledge comes from learning. Ah, but wisdom comes from living if I had to sum up what I know to be true about myself at this point of my life, like Augur, it would be this. What I know, apart from what God says is true, is that I don't know anything. And Augur says as much, which is why I want to pay attention to what he's saying. So let's look at this wise prayer that he has. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? But if I'm too poor, I may steal and then insult your name. He wants him to keep him from telling lies and being deceptive, and he wants him to just give him exactly what he needs. If you could ask God for two things right now, what do you think it would be? Think about that. It might be a new job. It might be doing well on a test, a house, a better house. In our prayers, we usually ask God for more blessings, a.k.a. money and material things, right? We ask God for things that are going to make our life more comfortable. Conversely, we ask God to take away things that make our life difficult. Seldom do we seek God's will, whether it would bring pain or pleasure. Now, he begins by asking to be kept from lying, and some versions say, remove falsehood and lies from me. This can mean false thinking about lies, the lies about prosperity and poverty. 
The lie of prosperity is that we're self-sufficient. And the lie of poverty is that God doesn't care about your needs, so you need to resort to taking things that might not be yours. I'm sure a lot of the people that are in part of these organizations out here in the lobby, these people in poverty that we are trying to serve and minister to, probably feel very hopeless and feel like God does not care about them. But that, that is a lie, right? The words before I die sim simply mean while I'm remaining here on earth. So Augur asks for just enough to meet his needs, but not his wants. And there is a big difference here, isn't there? When my nephew was five, his mom had him make a list of things he wanted for his fifth birthday party. And then she gave us all the list. And as he's opening the presents at this party, he's clearly pleased because each present he opens was something on his list. And then some outlier in the family brought something that was not on the list. And he opens it up, and he gets this very confused look on his face. And he looks over at his mother and says, did I want this? Well, this prayer is all about needs and not wants, but we do get those two confused. Prosperity pastors preach that prosperity is a right of all Christians. If God wants to bless us, then why would he not give us everything we want? Money, good health, a perfect family. Many times what we want, though, is short-sighted and will actually be harmful to us. The words, if I grow rich, I may deny you, and say, who is the Lord, tells us that. You see, we turn from God as it seems we just don't need him anymore. We think we're doing fine, and nothing can stop us. Psalm 30 here says, when I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. This is a very dangerous and unwise way to live. It's self-sufficiency at its worst. And I think we've all had those times. I know I have. Things are going well. And I kind of put God on the back burner. I don't feel that urgency to spend time with him. However, poverty strikes in some form or another, and then I'm back on my knees. The temptation or lie of prosperity is that we don't need God, but we forget everything we have comes from God. So, our writer doesn't want to be rich because it's going to turn him from God, and he doesn't want to be poor as it will cause him to steal, which will dishonor God. So those in poverty, and maybe you have been there too, can definitely lose faith and feel that God has forgotten them. I remember going through a financial crisis early in our marriage. We had lost a house, we had no savings, and we had two small children. I was very focused on what my friends had, and I was convinced that God cared more for them than he did for me, and a root of bitterness definitely started to grow. I believed a lie, because that wasn't true. I want to point out that both prosperity and poverty extend beyond material things. We can be rich and poor in relationships, in health, and really in any circumstance in our life. An abundance or lacking can happen anywhere. What Augur is wisely asking for is a life of moderation. 
He wants just enough. How many of us have prayed that prayer? How many of us ask God to not give us too much, but just what we need? Another proverb says, better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Doesn't it seem the more we have, the more turmoil we have as we accumulate things? In other words, it's better to live on little as possible so that we aren't distracted by getting more, which can happen in both prosperity and poverty because we always seem to want more. It just never seems to be enough. This wise prayer reminds me that the word of the words of the Apostle Paul, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. No matter what the circumstances I am in, rich or poor, sad or joyful, challenging or easy, I can do everything through Christ in me because he gives me the ability to be content with whatever his will is for me. It's interesting that this contentment Paul's talking about, it has to be learned. It does not come naturally. It would seem that learning that having just enough and desiring God's will over my own would be the wisest way to live, and it would lead me then to contentment. I don't know what message God has for you today. Perhaps you're not in a relationship with the Lord because you have seemingly everything you need. Maybe you're just not acknowledging that everything you have comes from him. Maybe you are in a state of poverty and are confused and even angry with God about your lack of material wealth, relational wealth, or physical wealth. I don't have all the answers. I, like Augur, am weary. I'm not very smart. I have not mastered human wisdom, and I have only scratched the surface in my knowledge of who God is. The only wisdom I possess is the knowledge that I don't know anything, and that my will is flawed because I can't see beyond my own desires and wants. There is another prayer that echoes this wise prayer of Augur. It is found in Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer was most likely at least partly based on this prayer in Proverbs. There's been a lot of work done by scholars connecting Jesus' prayers and the wisdom tradition of the Old Testament. Jesus gives his disciples here a pattern for prayer. The three points that correlate are to being, being kept from deceit and lying, and you see, keep me, lead us not into temptation, desiring only what is needed, which would be daily bread, and wanting to honor God's holy name. Hallowed be your name. Jesus tells us to ask for our daily bread, not more than what is needed for that day and beyond, but we always seem to want more. Having more will have us placing our security 
in the wrong place. The wise prayer in Proverbs and the Lord's prayer shift our focus. They change our thinking to desiring God's will over our own. By aligning our will with his, we can experience true contentment, whatever our circumstances, prosperity or poverty. Wisdom theology maintained that true wisdom is achieved when we live life in submission to God. The truly wise person is able to live in this tension between God's sovereignty and the fluctuations of human existence. Seek the bread of today just enough. Be content in waiting for God's will to come to fruition on earth and seeking it in relationship to all circumstances. As I said in the beginning, I have come to the conclusion that I know less than I did 10 years ago. Actually, I would say that with each decade, and there are many, I have come to understand that I really know less and less. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know. This past week, I've started praying differently. I have come to God with my requests, with the knowledge that my understanding is very limited, and what makes sense to me probably isn't the best. So instead of letting God know how he can answer my request, which I'm really good at, I am now praying for God's will and not my own, and that I would be content with whatever that's going to look like in my life. It may be prosperity, it may be poverty, and it's probably going to change, isn't it? If I can honestly desire God's will, then I can experience this contentment that Paul is talking to us about. So what about you? Is there something you want more or less of in your own life? Are you tempted to believe the lies about prosperity and poverty? And how do you decide when enough is enough? A wise prayer will always have God's will as the focus. And what about our church? As we are in transition right now, I am hearing a lot of what you want in the next pastor for this next season. It's not about what we want. It's about what the Lord has for Evergreen. We need to be open to whoever and whatever God's will is. If you're thinking of a certain image, I want somebody this age, in this place in life, with this experience, I'm going to challenge you to wipe that out of your mind right now so that we can be totally open and ready for God's will for this church because it's not about us. It's God's church. So I'm challenging you to commit to spending time in prayer for our church using this model and asking God to help you be open to what he wants and not what you want. And that's what I am focusing on too. This morning, what I'd like to do is have us close in saying the Lord's Prayer together. And I would ask you to think about it in a new way, that these words become, would become fresh and relevant as they have not been before. Please join me. Our Father, who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.